0: All right, here we go on the first Monday morning. I should say, first Sunday morning of uh, May, which, believe it or not, because it was last Sunday the first. It was the 30th, right? So, yeah, it is the very first uh, Sunday in May. I want to wish my father a very happy 85th birthday, which was yesterday. Um, something we'll talk about a little later on in the show, hopefully, if we get all of that together. But uh, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports Residential Corp. studio every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. The We also includes social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wii. Nobody beats the And producer Chris Magnum-Chapman, who aside from producing and being a part of a lot of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the host of the UNLV pre-game show on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show live on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Outta Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and twitter at Autoline fox lv and since we are live your calls and questions are welcome the fox sports residential bank corp studio line is 702-876-1340 Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's On Tap. What's On Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own. Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in Nevada. Yeah, I
1: mean,
2: Ones and, and responding in, in game two. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily a trend that uh, we love, losing game one, but uh, we definitely like our game
0: and, of course, v- Vander Kane talking about uh, the fact that Edmonton rebounded and won game two last night at T-Mobile Arena. Of course, we'll talk all about that shortly during nightcap. We've also got the rest of the NHL playoffs. Florida trying to do something that uh, only one other NHL team has done in history. It wasn't that long ago. We'll find out about that in the rest of the NHL playoffs. The Wiz will have an update on the NBA playoffs. We'll talk about that as we've got some upstarts, too. other. 8th seed in the NBA, the Miami Heat, and Jimmy Butler trying to make some noise in the Eastern Conference. However, uh, it's going to be a tall order, but either way, Jimmy Butler's a hell of a player. Spence, I'm sure, will have a lot to talk about when it comes to that. Again, it is my dad's 85th birthday in Detroit, a doctor for several years, and hopefully him, along with a few of my family members, will be joining. uh, I just want to wish him a happy 85th, man, on the show. I don't get to see him that often with him being in Detroit and me being in Las Vegas, so you'll put up with that for a few minutes, but trust me, it's worth it and um, also uh Canelo Alvarez, I think, no surprise last night. Uh, 12 round, undefe- um, Twelve round, I should say, unanimous decision in that one there. And the Aviators head back to town on Tuesday for a six game stint. We'll talk about all that. That is what is on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Contact Residential Bank Corp., the company that is funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702 964 5720 for details on current home financing options in Nevada. Mags, I saw you last night. You see me today, and I got a black eye, man.
1: Yeah, I, I, I know you had a procedure done uh, recently. And, you know, when I saw you this morning, I'm like, man, who the hell punched you? But, uh, you know, would you get into a bar fight? You go home and. I walked you into know, the
0: locker room, and Vander Kane was still pissed off.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, did Taylor whoop your ass? You know, I mean, but, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's. I, 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 The Evander Kane stuff, I mean, look, that guy. Well, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Let's get to Nightcap. I was just going to say, though, with uh, it's funny because you
0: mentioned something, and I love the word you used. I always laugh at when I think of that movie, if you've ever seen it, City Slickers. Yeah. And uh, with Billy Crystal, and at the beginning of the movie, they're like having career day with his kids in school, right? Yeah. And uh, the, the guy that goes right before him is like a firefighter. And these kids are like 9 and 10 years old, so they're all excited. The firefighter brings in stuff. He's showing them the truck. And then it's Billy Crystal, who's like an insurance salesman minute it's his time and you got these kids that were all engaged they're throwing paper airplanes and Billy Crystal goes listen shut up I shouldn't even be here anyways you guys will never remember this he goes first of all zero to 20 forget about it 20 to 30 is a blur. He goes, your, he goes, your 20s are a blur. Your 30s are the best years of your life. Your 40s, you'll have your first surgery. You'll call it a procedure. Your 50s, <laughs> you'll have a couple of more procedures. And by the time you hit your 60s, they're just surgeries from this point forward. And I'm kind of in that phase right now where maybe it's time to stop calling them procedures. But either way, yeah, I had a little thing done on my eye. It's been a hell of a 2023. And nobody told me my eye was going to go black from it, Chris. It was like, I'm removing this little thing. We'll make sure that's nothing, and then uh, you'll be fine. So yesterday I'm at the game. I was able to take off like my big bandage before the game so no one could see it, hit it with my beret. I'm always wearing a hat anyway. And so today I wake up, and I only had about two hours of sleep. I mean, you get home late last night. We got the show this morning, and I look in the mirror. I'm like, what the hell is that? They could have at least told me, like, hey, your eye might become black from this procedure so I could prepare for it. Instead, I'm like, man, am I hemorrhaging in there or something? I'm like, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go do my show, enjoy my Sunday, and the hell with it. Well, you
1: know- you, know, you you make up stories, right? The grandson threw a toy in and it hits you in the eye. <laughs>
0: i got to come up with something yeah, in Not, not, not just,
1: oh, I'm, I'm having a, yeah. a, an effect yeah. from the surgery. That doesn't sound yeah. cool.
0: Another procedure. Anyway, uh, Spence, go ahead and, and hit nightcap. Uh, a lot to talk about with the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm not shocked at what we saw last night, but um, definitely concerned. Go ahead, Spence. Hockey player.
1: Come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here.
0: Well, the puck started. A few days ago at T-Mobile Arena, and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights came away a winner after an unbelievable performance by a guy right now that you have to say is the best player in the world. Normally, when you say that in modern times, it's going to be Connor McDavid. You might even throw Austin Matthews in right behind him, but man, what Leon Dreisaitl is doing in the playoffs is just about unprecedented. Eight playoff games to this point, 13 goals, and we got to witness a four-goal performance in game one in a losing effort on the heels of what's crazy but in Dallas, Joe Pavelski did the exact same thing. Scored all four goals for the Dallas Stars and they lose as well. It's one thing to have back-to-back nights where two different guys score four goals. I don't know if it's ever happened in back-to-back nights before but I know one thing. Typically if one guy in on your team scores four goals, your team wins that game and it's very rare to see in back-to-back nights losing. But back to Leon Dreisaitl. Um, Chris, you know we've watched this guy for a couple years now. You can't say he's really played in the Shadow of Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is on an island all by himself. We know what how elite his skills are, but you got to say Leon
1: Draisaitl, Chris, is just not that far behind him. No, I and I think I think it's pretty fair to say that Edmonton has the two best players in the world on their team. Now in the same what, line, yeah. Now what you think of, of the rest of their team is irrelevant because those two guys carry the water for the Edmonton Oilers. Those are the two guys who who, who do all the work. I shouldn't say they do all the work. Those are the two guys who get all the credit for doing the work. They obviously have a very good team. Uh, they're, they're, there's a lot of areas where they're they're excellent. And um, look, it starts with those two guys. But yeah, Seidel, He's a guy. Look, he he won a Hart Trophy a couple of years ago, so certainly he's not. He, he he gets the credit he deserves. But sometimes, yeah, he, he he is in the shadow of McDavid. And McDavid said last night, there's a lot of nights where. Dreysil is the best player in the world. And having that type of one two punch on your team, look, I don't care who you are, it's tough to beat. You know, it's funny watching those two yesterday in the press conference, the epitome of humility.
0: Neither one of them wants to say anything about themselves. They, if anything, they'll congratulate the other person a little bit. But it's all about the game. It's just like they're doing their job. Well, and- let's let's be honest. They they're great hockey players, they're boring. Oh my God! Can you imagine? I mean, here's the deal: if you ever want to put your kid to bed, they ought to do children's books because two minutes into the story, the kid's going to be out like yeah. a light. They are just so monotone and focused, but on the ice, they are anything but quiet. Um, that you've got to account for them on a regular basis. And Chris, you know, I have been saying, and but you know, before I get into that, I do want to play something because, you know, Leon Draisaitl. Really, I think everyone in the world now realizes that when you talk about the top players, it can't just be Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews anymore. This guy's name has to be right there with the two of them. He is incredible with what he can do. He is great. He's a, a really good two way player. Edmonton is not known for their defense, but Leon Dreisaitl can go bo- can play both ways. He's great in the neutral zone. He he can he can win draws when you need him to. I mean, there's just nothing the guy can't do. And after the game, in the in, you know, I ran over to the Edmontons locker room. I wanted to hear what they had to say about it and a guy that really has stepped up his game especially in on special teams and on that power play as Evan Bouchard he has really became an integral part of this Edmonton team and earlier on it was tough kind of fitting in with guys that are so good that you've got to kind of run the point on this and Bouchard does it and after the game you know he was asked about you know Leon Dreisaitl and what do you think of this guy? I mean, you know, if you play with him, I guess you're not surprised. Still watching him, you know, I marvel him. I'm always looking for 29, and it seems like he's on the ice all the time, and he's always in the mix, and his teammates are always looking for him because he just has a way of finding the back of the net like almost nobody I've ever seen before, and especially right now in the playoffs. It is unbelievable. He opened up the scoring again yesterday after four-goal performance in Game 1. He gets two more yesterday. I thought, man, back-to-back hat tricks would have been, when has that happened? And this is how, you know, dynamic he is. But that line itself, Chris, when they're on the power play, and I—that's I, what I was going to say before we listen to uh, Evan Bouchard. This team on the power plate is like no team I've ever seen before. I mean, Gretzky on the power plate years ago was unbelievable with Yuri Curry and Paul Coffey and the guys they would play with. The old uh, Pittsburgh Penguin team with Mario Lemieux, Yamir Yager, Russ Francis. They were as dangerous as could be. But I will tell you what, when you've got Connor McDavid and and, and Leon Dreisseld, as you said, arguably the two, number one and number two best player in the world. On any given night, they can flop orders. Then you add guys like Evander Kane. A guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who also was a 100-point scorer this year. You got a guy like Darnell Nurse, Evan Bouchard. I mean, they just keep coming at you in waves, Chris, and it's such a hard thing to defend. And that's the bottom, the remedy. The one remedy that we said is you've got to to stay out of the box and in both games. It hasn't been 2 minutes into either game without one of the Vegas Golden Knights in the box. Now in game 1, they overcame it. They 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 got that they they got the equalizer and they were able to play with them. They they for the most part stayed out of the box. I think three penalties in game 1. You can live with a penalty a period. But when you start getting into 6, 7 penalties a game, Chris, you were in a lot of trouble playing this Oilers team.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the problem. The other night they had the response very quickly after that first power play goal. Last night, they didn't. They committed another penalty, and all of a sudden, they're down 2-0. Here's the issue that the Golden Knights were facing. Five on five, it was 1-1. Golden Knights gave up three power play goals, and... They gave up a shorthanded goal because Shea Theodore got lazy with the puck. Oh my and, god! It was that
0: bad? You know, I it mean, was a bad goal too because it should have it, never gotten well, through. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, well, I think part of the problem is you know Theodore was never going to be able to 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 hang with with McDavid one on one. I mean, look, he did. did his, you see his strength? He yeah. just shed Theodore off well, like that's he was it. a five year old kid, and and he's got the speed to outskate pretty much everyone in the league. Uh, look, I mean, it, that, that was, that to me was the dagger, right? Like you're down to nothing, you get the power play and then you give up the shorthanded goal and you're done at that point. The game's over at that point. You're not coming back from three, nothing on that team with, you know, I mean, look, you can say what you want to say about, about Stuart Skinner and, and their defense. The reality is you, 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 you spot that team three goals in the first period trying to keep them off the scoreboard for the remainder of the game is a herculean task. And the Golden Knights were not up to it yesterday and Bruce Cassidy kind of called them out a little bit, you know, with with their lack of, of emotional engagement, the fact that it took a, it took until Keegan Kolasar was getting cheap shotted by Evander Kane and I've seen I've seen some back and forth on that. The reality is, at least from my perspective, Keegan Kolasar at, at that point is defenseless. That oh, was terrible. Kane was literally rabbit
0: punching him in his kidney. Yes.
1: And he's holding Kolasar's arm back so he can't block yeah. the shots. Um, and that, can, you know, Chris, you know,
0: as it, it, slight as that might look, you know, just some rabbit punches to the kidney, and you do have a lot of pads back then, I mean, you're you're pretty much padded up in most places, but still, something like that, you know, if he does get a few punches in on bare skin and hurt him in his kidney in that area, that can keep him out for a game. Well, yeah. I that's, mean, that's just,
1: it's just flat it's, out it's, cheap. It's dirty, it and is. I mean, I, I, I know Edmonton fans probably will, will defend it, and, and that's fine, but you know the, we we have very different perspectives of it. And, in my opinion, a guy's defenseless on the ice. You should not be holding his arm back and punching him while he's laying on the ice. Now, I understand, you know you and i were we're we're, we're we've been hockey fans a long time. and we remember days where where things like that were acceptable. in this day and age, that's not acceptable. And the game evolves. And you know the, the the reality is I look I I respect the hell out of Keegan Colasar because he's a guy who doesn't have the most talent but he goes out there and he plays his ass off every night and you 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 see guys are willing to, to to you know Mark Stone talked about how pissed off he was that it was happening because Keegan is willing to go out there and defend his teammates every single night yep and and Bruce Cassidy mentioned that and Brady McNabb mentioned that so. I think the Golden Knights are going to ramp up the physicality in Game 2 or Game 3. The problem is they can't let it become the focal point of what they're trying to do. They can't commit dumb penalties. But I do expect some type of response. And I, I think that it's pretty clear who the response is going to be on. And we'll see what happens at that point. You know, Chris watching that
0: game it's not surprising that it got physical usually games two and three in in, in any playoff series are of the games when if one team gets dramatically behind the game starts getting chippy and you knew once edmonton was up four to nothing sooner or later you're going to start seeing the physicality come through you're going to see the bruisers start going at it with each other you're going to see what it is is you're trying to make a statement uh, going forward because you kind of washed this game and it, it, it you know such Especially by the third period you saw that there was a lot of physicality but again it got to the point where it was it was a little bit stupid and then we go to the post game press conference and I'm still I went home last night probably shaking my head half the way home you know wondering what the hell went on there I'm watching Jay Woodcroft and I felt like I was in some kind of a cult meeting Chris I mean I don't know any other way to describe it you've got the, the meeting from Edmonton uh, you know the, I should say the media from Edmonton you know that was there and they're kind of having their own little conversation with jay woodcroft and i'm like is america at war with canada i mean for a minute there i didn't know what was going on i mean obviously i'm being facetious but in the same respect it was like being in the twilight zone i don't know that i've been in a press conference where i've been kind of that baffled when it ended
1: yeah i i caught some of woodcroft's comments on thursday night or wednesday night i should say and i i found it a little strange like just just the fact that he refused to sit down, and and that the uh, he's short that that the Golden Knights media member or, or media department had to basically rearrange the furniture <laughs> for for Jay Woodcraft. Hilarious. Um, you know, it, it was a bit it was a bit strange. Like like the 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 fact that he multiple times said made comments about most passionate fans and and you know, the best fans in Alberta and the best fans in Canada. It was almost like he was taking a shot at the Golden Knights fans. And... The way he delivers is, is just a bit strange. Like his delivery is a bit strange. It's like Snooty. I mean, he like he like lifts his head up. He takes a breath. It reminded me like Iceman
0: in the first Top Gun. Very when he would, arrogant. When he would talk, yeah, when he would talk. Remember, remember how Val Kilmer would talk to Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, yeah. kind of breathe through his nose and look up. Yeah, it talk was,
1: down to him. Yes, it was like that to all of us. It was very it, condescending. Yes, it, it was just a bit strange and and. You know, I, I mean, I don't know the guy. I don't, I don't cover the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know if he's like that all the time. But I mean, it was, the, it, it was a weird. Like I was texting people who who weren't in there, but are are familiar with you know, who are members of the media. Like this is a weird press conference. Like it was. It was very condescending, the whole standing up the whole time and, it was just and, and, like
0: you said, it was it was it was it was a little bit surreal. I I wouldn't and I, I wouldn't have been surprised if Rod Serling would have come back to life and <laughs> walked out and said, This is the Twilight Zone press conference.
1: it was just very eerie. I, it was, I, I walked away from from listening to Drysidle and McDavid and then watching that unfold, saying that I'm glad I don't cover that team. Yeah, me too. Like even for, the for, guys in the press, the way they sat back and, you know, and I'm
0: well, sorry. They, they, the, they've been
1: conditioned. You yeah, know? I crossing mean,
0: their legs like they're entitled. Well, and and I, I was just blown the hell away. I, like, I don't
1: have any issue with with those media. I mean, look, those guys, they, they've been doing it a long time. There's some really good. Members of the media, but Chris, for, for, but what I was, have a
0: problem with—they put themselves in their own little bubble. It was like it felt like at
1: times nobody was in the room, but Edmonton's media and and Woodcroft. Well, I mean, I I, I think that's okay though, right? Like like yeah, I don't I, I don't like I don't need I don't need to ask Jay Woodcroft to, like I mean if if I if there was a need to I would have but. No, but Chris, I mean, it
0: felt like any second now they were going to drop their suits. They were all going to be in towels, sitting in a sauna, and
1: light up cigars and start having a little round roundtable well, conversation. That's, that's the you know, I mean, look, that's, that's I, I just <laughs> but it, it like I, I don't know. Like I I I I gotta ask because I I know a couple. I know a guy who who is a member of the media in Edmonton. I want to text him and ask him like, hey, is is Woodcroft like this all the time? Like, is this the way he really is? Because. It was a bit strange. Like, it, was, it was like Chris, it was like he was angry and they just won and he was angry. You know what? And- kind of reminded me of, of of like the elf who who was bitter <laughs> and angry because Santa doesn't pay him enough attention. Yeah, seriously. Like Herbie. like like yeah, like dude, like like first of all, like Drysdale and McDavid, and look—they don't have to have great personalities. That like this isn't—you're not. This isn't Miss America, right? You're not being judged on your personality and your smile, but. I mean Dry Seidel smiled once, McDavid didn't smile at all. Well, you know I I talked to I those love, guys at the All Star game last year. They didn't smile. No,
0: th- th- there's very little I I talked to Dry Seidel during the last Edmonton game here. Yeah. I went and talked to him. And you know, nice he gets his stuff up, but I mean Dry is a great way to start his name. Yeah. Dry because, I mean, I He's mean, definitely dry Dry Seidel. I mean, you now, know, and, and, now, I mean
1: look, those those two guys, like they are they are like look, all the respect in the world to, to what they are oh on the ice. God. I mean they're they're Unbelievable. I mean, watching McDavid, look, I don't know about you. I never got to see Michael Jordan play live. Never. Many, Did, many times, Chris, you know? Many times. And I feel like, from a hockey perspective, I am watching Michael Jordan play. Now, maybe, maybe a, a, a more appropriate reference would be Kobe Bryant, because obviously Gretzky and Jordan were, were in that same era. And I know McDavid's a little bit after Kobe, but I feel like. I'm watching... Kobe in his prime, and I feel like Dreisaitl is is LeBron. No, I get I get the reference, and it does make sense, and the one thing that is what what, what
0: to your point, what I would watch Michael Jordan do, because I did see him play live, there were times when it looked like he was by himself out there. And that's what I see that's with... That's what you see with McDavid. McDavid yeah. He decides all of a sudden, you know what, I'm going to turn the rest of you into pylons for a yeah, few minutes and yeah. skate
1: around you. Yeah. The and Golden he just Knights does. Could, it doesn't matter, right? Like no. Edmonton wears orange, but you could put that orange on the other team. Team on the yeah. ice because it looks like he's skating around orange Cone yeah. Sometimes the officials
0: had as much chance of catching him as the as the Vegas Golden Knights did. I mean, he is he is that ridiculous of a player. And if you get a chance, there's at least one more game, minimally at T-Mobile Arena, depending on what happens. Game five will happen if you haven't gotten a chance to see the Edmonton Oilers and and this team play. Who knows? I, I, I'm sure Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl will be together for a while, but they are clicking on all cylinders. And hey, go pull for the Vegas Golden Knights, but watch this team, it's one of the most overused cliches in sports, poetry in motion. But when these guys are on the power play, Chris, I have truly never seen anything quite like well, it. They the, are so good together. And again, I've never seen a team be able to play keep away like the, like
1: the Edmonton Oilers well, are the, able the, to the do. The passes between the two of them are, are always right there. Chris and and and, and, the and and like you you mentioned Bouchard on the power play. Look, this team moved Tyson Barry and yeah. they moved Bouchard in probably because they knew that Bouchard was was ready. Look, he's a young guy. I think it's only his second year in the yeah. league. And he, he was a guy who had a lot of success last year. He's going he's gonna to be a pain in the ass for the Golden Knights when for years to come. When he first
0: was getting the nod, and you could see it, I remember when they first were starting to, to implement him into, their, into the power play and into special teams. He was a little bit intimidated. And you know what? Who the hell wouldn't be? Hey, guess what? You're going to lead the power play with Leon Dreisel and Connor McDavid. That would scare the hell out of anybody. Bouchard has now embraced that role, and he really has become... A A terror on the point. He is that good. His shot is wicked. And he's so good at setting the two of them up. And now that they're all starting to work together, and again, you bring Evander Kane into that mix with those two. And my God in heaven, that is a very, very dangerous and
1: scary team. You you, you mentioned the the, the keep away. They don't even have a second. It it seems like they don't even have a second unit because that first unit is so good at at, at holding on to the puck on the power play that there's never a line change because they basically spend two minutes in your zone passing the puck around, looking for the opening. And the problem is Bouchard's shot is so good that when he gets the puck at the point and he fakes the shot and he passes it oh, to he Dreisaitl, draws the defense
0: right in. Yeah, the, sucks the, right the in.
1: offense is, it, or, or the net is so open yeah. that whether it's Dreisaitl or McDavid who gets the puck that that he's able to, to, to create such a diversion... That, it's sick. It watching that. It's like a cheat code. Watching that team in
0: the power is. play. And you t- talk about trial under fire. Laurent brossois prior to this year, had never played in a playoff game. He luckily had the Winnipeg series to get himself tuned up. But there is no way to get yourself tuned up to play this Edmonton Oilers squad. He got to see him in the regular season for a minute late. But this is a whole new experience for anybody to play against this team right now. And Chris, speaking of that, and I want to get move on. I want to make sure we we stay focused, but in the same respect do you make a change in net? Obviously in the third period, Aiden Hill came in. Lauren Brossois has been spectacular. And spectacular, you might think that's a really strong word, but considering the fact that last year the guy was on the shelf with a hip surgery and a hip injury at the goaltender position where you requires all kinds of flexibility. The flexibility of a gymnast is could end your career. We might never see Robin Leonard on the ice again. You don't know what's going to happen. And Brossois comes back from that. He's buried in the depth chart. Logan Thompson has been elevated and is now the number one goaltender. They pick up Aiden Hill from the Sharks to be the number two goaltender. And Brosois, here he is down in down in Henderson playing his ass off becoming a, a really solid backup goaltender and a guy that's saying, hey, I'm an NHL goaltender. I'm 30 years old and I belong up there. And then at the trading deadline, they pick up Jonathan Quick. And all of a sudden it's like, where does Lauren Brosois fit in? Injuries happen, things happen. He gets his opportunity. He plays a couple of good games for the Knights. Everyone's kind of hurt. Jonathan Quick looks like he's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to play every day in the playoffs. And they elevate at the last minute Laurent Brossois at the end. He plays well against Seattle and he ends up getting the nod as the number one goaltender. Gets them through the Winnipeg series. Hangs on in game one and gets them this win against Edmonton. But exposed yesterday. And when I say exposed, not because he's playing great players, but a couple of goals that probably shouldn't have gone in. You could definitely hear the disappointment, Bruce Cassidy, with Laurent Brosois in that game. And he brings in Aiden Hill in the third period. And by the way, Aiden Hill gave up no goals in that third period. What do
1: you do in game three? Well, I think you go back to Brosois, right? I mean, look, he, he's earned the opportunity to have, an, to, to have a rebound. And look, I, I, I know because Bruce Cassidy mentioned the fourth goal that he felt like Bruce Walsh should have saved. Um and then he should the, have saved. And then the McDavid goal, the 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 shorthanded goal, he probably should have saved that as well. That was a terrible goal. But but at the end of the day, he he was left out to dry a bunch of times. Yep. He made a huge save in the first period. When Edmonton was or it was on the second in the second period, Edmonton was on the power play. Yep. He made a absolutely huge pad save. I'm still trying to figure out how that puck didn't go in. No, it
0: was a great save. So
1: so I feel like Brosois has earned the right to have to have an opportunity to to, to rebound in game three. I mean, I I'm glad I'm not the coach. I'll tell you that. I'm glad I don't have to make the decision. But if I am making that decision, and, and like I said, fortunately I'm not. It, it's Brossois. I don't. I don't even have to. You know, think you about
0: got it. you got healthy scratches now in Logan Thompson and also Jonathan Quick, a two time yeah, Stanley Cup one of them have in, I, I mean, know, I know, but the point is, is there's no tomorrow. This is the playoffs.
1: I think the I, leash I, now is th- very it, short. It is, for it is shorter. but I but I think I agree. I think he gets the nod. But I but I think the leash may be shorter. But I also think that at the at, at if push comes to shove, Aiden Hill's the number two. I don't, no, think, no, I don't I, think they I, go to I'm, Jonathan quick.
0: I'm not disagreeing with you, but like I said, it right now the lease is short all the way around. And the last question, and let's be quick on this one. I'll give you 30 seconds for it. Any lineup changes at all that you potentially see, or do you think they stick with the guys they got on the ice? No one's gotten hurt. No, Everyone I, seems fine. Shea Theodore, we know the rumor is he's playing with a broken hand. He missed the one game because he was ill, not because of the injury. But I'll tell you what, Chris, Shea Theodore, we know. Is one of the better two-way defensemen in the National Hockey League. He's really developed into that.
1: He's a huge integral part of this team, but he's not playing well. No, here, here's the thing, Brian. I'm not making any changes, but there's guys who need to show up. He's and, one and, of them, and and he is one. Jonathan Marchessault being another, and, and Riley Smith, and, and 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 I mean, look, Nick Waugh. And and Will Carrier, where are you guys? Yeah, where's the fourth line? Like, other like than I, other than the physicality of Keegan Kolasar where is that fourth yeah, line? Yeah, like, look, I'm not gonna look. kolasar is not the guy who drives that line. It's it's he's it's, got a goal in the postseason. Yeah, and, but but he's he's the guy who's also willing to get it to get punched. Yep. So, so you got to have him on the so, ice. So I'm I'm looking at the other two guys on that line, and I know Will Carrier just slowly made his way back in the lineup. But look, it's time to go. It's time to go, guys. Nick Waugh has not had a very good playoffs. He's had moments. No, and I'll tell you, Chris, right now, you got a guy, and I understand he is a
0: veteran. I understand he's at the tail end of his career. Are you saying put Phil Kessel in? I, I'm not saying to put Phil, Ke- Phil Kessel in, but I am saying this. Phil Kessel will play his ass off. And this guy has as much drive and desire as anybody. He Somehow, there was a few times during the season we all questioned, God, is he going to be a healthy scratch yeah. soon? And then all of a sudden, Phil Kessel would score two goals in two well, games well, look, and find- Find his way back in the lineup. My question is, guys, you're talking about Nicholas Why? Now he's a centerman. You, you know, you want him centering line, and that's not really Phil Kessel's position. No, but
1: you could have but, you could have a or Howden do that.
0: I was going to say, you know, and, and and that's the whole thing. You know, guys like like a even a guy like Will Carrier, who is a physical player, a guy that had his a career year putting pucks in it. He's had some injury issues. He just came back from an injury, and he's not playing well right now. Phil Kessel was playing right up to the playoffs. He played all eighty two games. And the bottom line is this is a grizzled season veteran who right now is probably starving to see the ice well, again. Well,
1: the, the last thing I'll say about it is you need offense. Phil Kessel has the ability to provide offense for you. You're not getting it right now from Nick Waugh or William Carey. I think Carey's now played three games in the playoffs. I don't think he has a point. Nope. So uh, Nick Waugh, I don't think, has a point. Nope. So at the end of the day, if if I'm looking at making changes, that's where I'm looking and I'm trying to. If I'm Bruce Cassidy, I'm. 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 I'm like talking to Miss Cleo on a way to fire to to light a fire under Jonathan Marshall's ass because he's been invisible. Yeah, like me too. And, and not only has he been invisible, he's been bad. And I'm sitting
0: down with. Uh, I'm sitting. I'm. I'm having to sit down with Shea Theodore and saying, "Dude, how's your hand?" Because if you're hurt. I'll bring ben, ben Hutton in, and and you know what? He can at least play, and he's healthy. Not that he, you know, he's pales in comparison at this point in his career to a Shea Theodore who has really established himself, as I already mentioned. But the bottom line is Shea Theodore is got to be there. They need this guy's offense. They need his defense. They need his skating ability, and they need him playing at his best. And if he's hurting and, and, and his hand is affecting his head, then you got to think about making a change there, too. Spence, go ahead and in fact this. You don't like the facts. Take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Yeah, it's a fact. The Eastern Conference eighth seed Florida Panthers are up two games to none in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs after knocking out the Boston Bruins, who were the best regular season team in NHL history in their first round. Also a fact, I said they were the first President's Cup team I can say in my lifetime that there is no way they don't go deep in the playoffs, and boy was I wrong. This run by the Florida Panthers could potentially end with them being the second-eighth seeded team in any sport to win a championship. The first one, of course, 2012, the LA Kings and Jonathan Quick, who is a golden knight but right now. Chris, uh, what this Florida Panther team is doing is exciting. It's exceptional, and it's really, to me, based on the play of two players who I'm concerned about right now, and those two players are, of course, Matthew Tuchuk, who absolutely is a guy that is is dialed in as anyone I have seen in the postseason. He wants to win, and this guy is trying to be Connor McDavid right now. He is playing the best hockey of his career, and of course, I I said it after the game the other night, what about Bob? I mean, for God's sakes, this guy has shown us before that he he has the potential to be an elite goaltender. But Sergei Bobrovsky is absolutely seeing beach balls right now, a cliche used for goaltenders that are absolutely just not letting pucks in the net. And Bobrovsky is making some of the best saves of his career, playing some of the best net-minding of career, and what a time for this. Here, Florida wins the President's Cup last year. They don't do a thing with it. This year, they crawl into the playoffs, and here they are, a team right now that, Chris, I don't think there's a team out there that isn't worth Worried or has their eye
1: on the Florida Panthers. Yeah, well, I mean, Brian, this is a team that had to had to fight and claw to get into the playoffs. They they, they were in a battle with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders for for the the a, a playoff spot. And the Buffalo Sabres were there for a little bit as well, but I mean, Matthew Kachuk, outside of Leon Draisaitl, I think has been the best player in the playoffs. I think he's certainly been the best player in the Eastern Conference during the playoffs he was the best player in the Bruins Panthers series. Um so so I mean he and Bobrovsky he he didn't start. Alex Lyon was the guy who got the start in 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 the postseason for the Panthers and you had a feeling they were going to go to goalie by committee. Uh but Bobrovsky he's a guy, look, two-time Vezina Trophy winner. Um so he's clearly capable. They win the Stanley Cup, he'll be a Hall of Famer. It's very possible, yeah. I mean he, he, they win the Stanley he. Might Cup. Be, he might be already with two Vezina he, trophies. He's pretty close. So the the Stanley Cup would kind of be the crowning achievement yep. in 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 or the especially the, this the cherry way. on the on on the ice cream Sunday. But I mean, look, there's there's a long way to go, and I think Florida certainly certainly is is more than capable of of closing out the Leafs. Uh, it would that would that not be the most Toronto Maple Leafs thing ever? You you finally beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. First time in 19 years, you move on to the second round of the playoffs and then you lose to the Florida Panthers, who are the eighth seed. I mean, that would be the most Toronto Maple Leafs thing ever. You know, it's 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 to the point
0: where you're you know, you don't scratch your heads anymore. This is what happens in the postseason. We've said it so many times the difference that goaltenders make. Of all the sports, there is no more position than goaltender in the postseason. People argue and say quarterback, but I'm sorry. In the NFL, defense wins championships. You can win an NFL championship with a marginal quarterback. We've seen it before. Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, the list goes on and on. In hockey, if a goaltender stands on his head, another cliche, they can win it all. And we have seen goaltenders make runs in the past. Again, none more... more, Acknowledgeable than Jonathan Quick in 2012 when the LA Kings made the postseason on the last day of the regular season and then had that run to the Stanley Cup Finals where uh, Jonathan Quick was literally impermeable. And I'll never forget it. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. But Broski has the chance to do that this year. And as of right now, you know, maybe not playing as well as Quick because he's got a little bit of a better team in front of him than I think the LA Kings had in front of Quick back then. But the bottom line is this is a team that everyone is going to fear. And now that they've taken out Boston, and Toronto is also one of the best teams in the league, they eliminate both those teams in the postseason, which you're on the verge of doing right now. Um, I don't think anyone is going to want to play them. But one of the things, Chris, that I saw, and I wanted to talk about this, is in that last game, I watched it, I was kind of blown away by what I was seeing, but it happened. And it was a shot in the third period off defenseman uh, Jake McCabe, took a shot, and I think, Spencer, we have the video of it. You have to really watch closely because the shot is so hard you can't even see it come off of a McCabe stick. But you see to Chuck go down, and he gets up and he's shaking his hand. When I slowed it down immensely on my television at home, I saw it clearly hit him in the palm of that, I believe it's his left hand, and you see him shaking it. If that shot coming at that speed, which had to be 95-plus miles an hour, looking at how you can't even see the puck, I got to believe it had to do some damage to that hand. Unless he got real lucky and maybe it hit him in the meaty part of this part of his hand, Um, it had to hit bone. And if it hit bone, it had to shatter bone. We're going to see today... When they play game three, how hurt he is. I was saying it happened about 8.30 to go in the game. He had a couple of more shifts, but I was watching him, Chris, after that shift, and he was holding the stick all the time with one hand. He rarely put his other hand on that stick. He was just using it to play defense and keep them. They were holding on to the one-goal lead against Toronto, and all he was doing was trying to maintain that lead. If that had happened to him in the first period, I think we would have seen something different. Now he's had a couple of days. No one's talking about it because it went unrecognized recognized in the game. So even the team doesn't want to put that on the injury report that something's wrong with his hand. But, Chris, you saw it right there. You see yeah. him shaking his hand. You tell me, if that puck did hit him in the palm, which is one of the most unprotected parts of your body when you're playing hockey, that had to do more damage than anyone realizes right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, no, there's no padding there um, on, on that part of the glove. So, um, look, it, it's... it's who, who knows, right? You can't like, freeze like, it, Chris. you got to be able like, to feel your hand. Like, I mean, we, we, we saw yesterday, Clem Costin, there was a, in the third period where he took two shots off his foot. And the first time, you're like, oh, this guy just broke his foot. And he goes down, and, and, and he couldn't get up. And you can see him eventually slowly get up, and, and he, he stays on the ice because Golden Knights have the puck in the, in, in the offensive zone, and he takes another shot off the back of his foot. And he went right to the right to the locker room. He was back on the ice like a few shifts later. So, uh, it, it's a weird sport when it comes to those types of things. Like sometimes you, you you just don't know. And obviously, we'll see today if he's the same player or not. Um, you're right. No no one's gonna the, the Panthers certainly aren't gonna advertise. If that's the case, but we'll just have to see how he plays today. Yeah, that's that. That's what we're going to have to do. And uh,
0: you know, I'm I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to watch the game and see what happens and see if I was right um, about his hand because again, I watched it over and over again. And the the craziest thing about it, if you get a chance to see that, in Spencer, if you can play it one more time for him uh, and, and look at this, uh, look at the video closely, you will see that you cannot see the puck. Come off of McCabe's stick—it's so fast. Watch how quick it, it, it hits him. You see it, and watch him get up right now. And he shakes his hand when it hits him. He literally just shakes his hand after he comes up, and you can see. Look at this—bam! Just a snapshot. And he is holding that hand and protecting that left hand like there's no tomorrow. Uh, we'll see what happens in the game today, and see if uh, if if that ends up happening, we end up um, getting uh, getting a good game out of it. Because I'll tell you right now, without Matthew to chuck. As good as Bobrovsky's been playing, that is a completely different Florida Panthers team right now. He is the engine that makes that 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 run, and uh, that's just the way it goes. Spence, let's uh, let's move over. Well, before we we talk about that real quick, uh, we might as well finish with the rest of the playoffs right now. Uh, Chris, your Devils. Uh, down two nothing to the hur- You know, to the Carolina Hurricanes, another team that had a really good season this year. Another team that's playing really well. New Jersey used up a lot to get out of the last round, and now they're playing a really tough Carolina team. You know the New Jersey Devils as well as anybody. Can they come back against this team? And basically, they're going to have
1: to win four out of uh, four out of six, four to four five four to five. five games. Yeah. Look, they they can. Um, they did it in the last series against the Rangers, who I think are are, are probably a lot better than than the fate that their coach met yesterday. Um, so, yeah, they, they they certainly can come back. Um, the problem is, will they? I think you, you've now got a situation, if you're Lindy Ruff, where you had this goalie who played phenomenal in the series in relief of Vitek Vanacek and Akira Schmid, but now he's been bad. In, in these first two games, and and that was the question mark about the New Jersey Devils coming in. How would their goaltending fare in the playoffs? Vanacek was was awful in those first two games against the Rangers. Schmidt has not been very good in the two games against the Panthers or Hurricanes. So the question is, do you go back to Vanacek? I don't know. I I it's again we talked about Bruce Cassidy having to make that decision. It's even a worse decision for Lindy Ruff because no matter what he does, he's going to be questioned. Well, why didn't you give Schmidt another another opportunity, or why didn't you give check? So, uh, New Jersey's in trouble, but you know they, they they look they lost two games in in Carolina. It doesn't really matter what the 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 scores were in those games. What's that I, again? I hate cliches, but this is a cliche. We don't we don't have a, have an issue in the series until someone wins on the road. So if New Jersey can hold serve at home and even things up, going back to Carolina, it's any, it's a best of three. It's anyone's game at that point.
0: I'd like to see it. I like the New Jersey Devils this year. I think they're a fun team to watch, and I think that's a decent series. And to be honest with you, I'm not a big Carolina Panther fan, or excuse me, a Carolina Hurricane fan. So I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see New Jersey come back in that series and find a way to get back into it and win it. And finally, the Dallas Seattle series, the winner of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers will play the winner of that series in uh, the Western Conference Finals and. Um, you know, series tied at one-one. Seattle stole game one. Dallas came back in one game two. Pavelski four un, uh, four straight goals, and the only four goals in game one of that series. It was a loss. Um, I like Seattle in this series. I think going home. Um, I really think, though, in order for them to win this series, they need to somehow protect home ice and win these two games in Seattle. And uh, and again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to Grubauer uh, for this team. Grubauer, of course, last year, probably a little bit bitter. Chicago lets him go to Seattle. Chicago picks up Darcy Kemper from the Arizona Coyotes, and Chicago wins the Stanley Cup. You know Grubauer had to be chomping at the bit like, my God, man, that's my team. I was the cornerstone and the backbone of this team and now I'm out and here is his chance with Seattle to make a run in the postseason and hey I don't think Seattle can win the Stanley Cup but I think Grubauer is good enough to uh win this team some games and steal this team some games that they can play really well in front of him. He plays his absolute best hockey. Seattle can be a force to be reckoned with, and they can definitely get by the Dallas Stars. I think Dallas wins the series, but I won't be shocked if somehow Seattle pulls off another upset and gets to the conference finals. We'll see how that goes. Spence, is we're running out of time, um, I was hoping to get my dad on the show. We're having a few technical difficulties. We're trying, and uh, we're trying to get him to call. I don't know if somebody just called in right now, but uh, we're trying to get my dad on line to wish him happy birthday and uh we'll see if we can do that here shortly um he's on chris no oh, okay good deal dad are you with us hello dad hello? yeah dad how are you well i don't know if he can hear us for a while dad are you able dad, to he- you hear i'm here dad can you hear me yeah how are you Thanks. I would just, well, you know, got the family on the phone. Wanted to wish you a happy birthday, Dad. Uh, 85 years old yesterday and still uh, still hanging in there. Uh, just wanted to wish you, I know, the whole family. We were trying to get it on video, get it all coordinated. A little bit difficult, but at least we got you on the phone. Happy birthday, T. I know everyone out here, my kids. Uh, Pam's on the phone in Chicago. I know Paul was paying attention. But uh, 85 years old, Dad, love having you with us. I'm trying it's hard to keep on going. Well, Dad, I had something. I put it in my pocket. I don't know where the heck I put it. I was going to bring it out. Matter of fact, I'll show you on video right here if you can see this. Dad won't be able to see it, but uh, people looking on Facebook. It is an old credential, Dad, that I'm holding up from the 1996 U.S. Open at uh, Oakland Hills. One of my favorite uh, favorite times and favorite Father's Day. Do you remember that, Dad? Because I know your favorite athlete of all time has always been Jack Nicklaus. You remember walking around the U.S. Open in 1996 when... With Tiger Woods as an amateur and Jack Nicholas uh, playing together?
1: Yeah, I remember that. What did uh, you Gary player, Jack Nicholas, and Tiger Woods played together in the practice rounds.
0: Yeah, we got to, me and my dad followed him around. You know how cool that was seeing Tiger and Jack play at that time, Dad? And the only anticlimactic thing, because it was really cool seeing that U.S. Open, especially with Oakland Hills losing their country club. It burned down a few years back now. But um, the only anticlimactic thing was Steve Jones won the U.S. Open, and I didn't know who the hell he was before the tournament.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: Yeah. Well, Dad, listen, I wanted to wish you a happy birthday. I know it's uh it's uh what going on eleven o'clock at Detroit time, or actually going on noon, I think, Detroit time, but appreciate you uh as always, Dad. Uh, uh everything I've done in my life, and I know I speak for the rest of the family, uh, you know, is 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 thanks to you and, and all you've done for all of us. And uh it's so great to have you on the show and, and especially to still have you here. Eighty five years old. Happy birthday to you, Dad. All
1: right, thanks, Brian. Take happy care, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Have a good
0: day. All right. We love you, Dad. And, again, uh, my father, I'll try to get him on video around Father's Day. We'll put him on the show one more time. Uh, Spence, before we uh, exit stage left, we got a few more minutes and uh, obviously can't leave the show without talking about the NBA playoffs also going on right now. And you've got an eighth seed in the NBA also making some noise, a guy that, that I marvel at, Spencer, every time I watch him play. He's not Michael Jordan, but if you want to talk about prime time when it comes to the National Basketball Association, there's one name that comes to mind right now, and that's Jimmy Butler.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, no kidding, Brian. I mean, this guy uh, is putting up quite the performance. He misses a game, and then you'd think maybe he's just injured and he's going to try to you know, test it out for the next one. But no, it comes right back out and just dominates the game. I think he had like 40 points. He's on one of the best runs I've seen in a long time. You know it's funny I say that and yet Devin Booker on the other side of the bracket is putting up maybe even better numbers and that's kind of going under the radar. So a lot of exciting things going on. You also have, you know, James Harden who puts up maybe one of the best performances I've seen in the past 5 years in the playoffs without Joel Embiid. And then he puts up an absolute stinker in the next one. So the NBA playoffs are not short of uh, you know, disappointments and surprises. It's all been pretty good. Uh, how about the, how about word, the word drama, drama Spence? Spence? There's uh drama, I don't know. I mean, I, it has been entertaining just because it's so unpredictable. You know, I think that when you see a team like Heat, who, they barely make it out of the play-in game. And now suddenly they're on this war path to the, you know, the conference finals. And then you have the Lakers, who are the 11th seed, had like what? The ESPN gave them like a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs. And that now here they are. They've just gone up against the Warriors. They stole a game away from them at home. And now they go in at home and take care of business. It's like you're always waiting for the shoe to drop for someone like the Lakers. At least that's how I felt going to the playoffs. We're just waiting for it to fall under. You know, they get a perfect match, first round matchup against an injured Grizzlies team who just so immature. And you're like, okay, now they're going to play the Warriors. The Warriors are championship. They're not going to fall for these same things, you know. And yet here they are. They put up a great performance last night defensively. The Warriors have always been terrible on the road, and that's why it's so important that the Lakers took that game one, having that advantage, you know, trying to go in and maybe beat them in L.A., um, it's 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 really awesome. The, the basketball hadn't ha- didn't have a great regular season, but things are finally picking up here in the postseason.
0: You know, Spencer, you know, Spencer, a couple of guys that I'll mention watching the NBA playoffs that really are standing out to me in a couple of storylines. When I say drama, I'm talking about the dramatic effect of what's going on in that Lakers series alone. One one night the Lakers win by thirty. The next night the Golden State does the same thing, and then the Lakers come back. It's it's amazing the ebb and flow of that series. How diverse it is. As far as that, just far apart, and then you look at another series, Philadelphia. I mean, Joel Embiid out. James Harden goes out of his mind in game one, and the Philadelphia 76ers are like, whoa, what is going to happen when Embiid comes back, this team? And then they play together, and they look like crap. It's unbelievable. It's almost like the 76ers are better when Embiid's not on the floor, which doesn't make any sense. But I haven't seen James Harden play like he played in game one in a while, and then Embiid comes back, and you think, okay, watch out for the Sixers. No not the case what is going on there and why can't James Harden and Joel Embiid play together to be one of the best teams in the NBA
2: with you on that one it was kind of hard uh to see because I, I like you like when I saw James Harden put up those numbers and all the thing I'm thinking is oh Embiid comes back and they're just going to go straight to the finals I mean they look unbeatable if James Harden plays like this but I think you saw the same kind of effect when the Grizzlies lost John Morant for for all that time you know they win all these games and I just think that when you have such a big superstar, maybe like a top three player in the league, there's kind of this gravitational pull towards them where you feel like you have to really adjust how you play. You can't play like normal. And I think you saw that when Embiid came back, he wasn't even really all that healthy. And I think that they still had this mentality that, well, he's a top three player in the league, so we got to just keep going along and just, you know, win and lose by him. It's hard to make that adjustment because it's kind of like an unspoken rule, I think, on the team. And obviously, I'm sure it's emphasized to get Embiid the ball. But just beyond that, just the way that you play your mannerisms, like, oh, maybe I'm not going to take that shot. Let me throw it back in the post versus, you know, the game before that where they may have thought, oh, I have the green light. There's no Embiid. You know, we, we all have to step up here. And I think you're seeing a lot of that. And I think that's one of the things when it comes to coaching. And I think that's probably a good thing why they have Doc Rivers or hopefully you know, where he gets into the locker room and, you know, you say, okay, we lost this game, you know, it's on to the next one, you know, let's make those adjustments, let's get Embiid the ball in better places, and obviously he's going to get healthier, but hopefully he talks to his players and say, let's keep that same energy that we had going into that game too without Embiid, you know, let's, let's change our philosophy, let's stay aggressive, and, you know, we always want to get the ball through Embiid, but if you have this shot... You got to take it, and if you feel like it's your opportunity, this is a team where you feel like you can do that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And last thing I want to say, when you talk about the Lakers series, because that's one everyone in this part of the country is looking at—the Lakers against the defending champs. Uh, To me, the difference in this series has been the play of Anthony Davis. You know, he got ridiculed a little bit earlier in the playoffs. The injuries, is this guy going to stay healthy for the postseason? It seems like he took that to heart, and Anthony Davis is playing like a man possessed, and if he continues to play like this, the L.A. Lakers, out of the 11th hole, as Spencer mentioned, could win the NBA title, and oh my God, what a cement on LeBron James' career if they can pull this off, especially where they came from, but the Lakers playing as well as anybody in the NBA right now, and don't forget about the Boston Celtics. Uh, they're not done yet. They're not going to be quiet, and I still think they're the team that's going to come out of the East. Listen, want to thank everyone. Thank my dad for joining the show. Happy 85th birthday to my dad my family for trying to get that together. want to thank, of course, Chris Magnum-Chapman behind the wheels of steel, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski in the green room handling the video, and of course the NBA portion of the show. Thank everyone out there for listening. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning, 8 to 9, Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM 1340. Flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights will be back in action again tomorrow night in Edmonton, and that is a monstrous game.